This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. First reading today comes from Jeremiah. Am I a God nearby, says the Lord, and not a God far off? Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, says the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, says the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long will the hearts of the prophets ever turn back those who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart? They plan to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, just as their ancestors forgot my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, and let the one who has my word speak my word faithfully. Who has straw in common with wheat, says the Lord? Is not my word like fire, says the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Our second reading comes from Hebrews. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as if it were dry land. But when the Egyptians attempted to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had received the spices in peace. And what more should I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions, quenched raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, won strength out of weaknesses, became mighty in war, put foreign armies in flight. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, refusing to accept release in order to obtain a better resurrection. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, persecuted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves and holes in the ground. Yet all these, though they were commended for their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God had provided something better so that they would not, apart from us, be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely, 
and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. The gospel that we have today comes from the 12th chapter of Luke. Jesus said, I come to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it were already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think I've come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two and two against three. They will be divided father against son and son against father. Mother against daughter and daughter against mother. Mother Mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, it's going to rain, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Please be seated. Seems to be a common theme running between our first reading from Jeremiah and our gospel reading. A theme of division, of opposition, of conflict. In the first reading, we We hear these words from Jeremiah, am I a God far off or am I a God nearby? And in Luke, we hear the conflict in the family. We hear the conflict between peace and division. Jeremiah seems to be going off about stuff that prophets are always going off about. False gods, about neglecting God's word. We're used to that kind of stuff. But his words sound a little strange, perhaps to our modern years, when he places an emphasis on God as being far off rather than nearby. Am I just a God nearby? Am I not also a God Far off. Because it seems that normally we hear the emphasis the other way around. We hear about the God who who comforts us in time of need. We hear about the God who walks with us through difficult times. We hear about the God who answers our our most private and quiet prayers. In short, we hear about a God who walks with us intimately. 
Now, we don't seem to think that much about the cosmic God, the uh, majestic God, the God who is over heaven and earth. We tend to be more comfortable with the God we encountered last week, the God who comes to Abram, this, this tired old man bordering on the edge of despair, of disbelief, the God who comes to Abram in person and makes a promise to him. You will have a child. Not just one, but you will have children like the stars in heaven. Maybe it would help us understand Jeremiah's words a little bit better if we understood the context in which they were spoken. The kingdom of Israel went through a civil war and divided into two kingdoms. The northern one was the kingdom, retained the name Israel, and the southern kingdom became the kingdom of Judah. The northern kingdom had already been defeated by the empire of Assyria. And now a new empire on the rise, Babylon, was threatening the southern kingdom of Judah, threatening God's people with extinction. And in response to that threat, they went out and, and made alliances with the nations around them. They made an alliance with uh, uh, Egypt. They made an alliance with some of the smaller kingdoms right there on their boundaries in order to stave off Babylon in order to block them. And in the midst of all this, they clung to the promise that God had made. For God made them his people. And God lived in the temple, or so they thought. And the temple was in the holy city of Jerusalem. Therefore, Jerusalem could never fall because this is where God lived. And they clung to that promise and they reassured each other. The prophets reassured each other saying, don't worry, it's going to be all right. God will never let the kingdom of Judah fall. God will never let God's holy city fall. God would never let God's house fall. But there was a difference between the promise made to Abram and the promise that they clung to in Jeremiah's time. The promise came to Abram at his lowest point. It came to him when he was his most vulnerable as a reassurance of what God was doing in the world and a reassurance of Abram's place in that mission. But now in Jeremiah's time, that promise was held onto as a right, as something that had always been and would always be there. In short, they had become complacent and had lost sight of what God was doing in the world. 
rather than being a blessing to the peoples, they had accumulated vast wealth. Rather than taking care of, of the most vulnerable in their society, the wealth had become centered in a few who then turned a blind eye toward those around them. But the more wealth they accumulated, the more they saw it as a sign of God's favor. And it is to this people that the words of Jeremiah comes. Now this might be a good time to say something about prophets. We tend to think of prophets as people who make predictions about stuff that's going to come. And then those things miraculously come true. But if you actually read the words of the prophets, you'll find that this is not true. What a prophet is, is simply someone who sees clearly. Someone who sees what's going on around them and then holds it up in comparison to the word of God. And when it is not in harmony, they speak out. And this is what Jeremiah does. He sees what's going on in the kingdom around him. He looks at what God had spoken to them, the promises that God had made to them and what God was doing in the world. And he said, what we are and what we are doing is no longer in harmony with that. We are headed for trouble. And he reminds them, God is not only your personal God. God is not only your intimate God who takes care of all your needs. This is also the God afar off. This is also the God of heaven and earth who rules over all nations. And indeed, Jeremiah saw Babylon as a tool of God's judgment. God was the God of Babylon as well as of Israel. I think we always have to be careful about how we think about God. I'm always a little uh, sensitive to, um, to language like our God is an awesome God. It's a wonderful sentiment, but whenever I talk about our God, it seems to imply that, well, there's, there's our God and then there's their God, and our God's awesome, and your God stinks. God is not just nearby. God is far off. We believe in a God who is over all things and can never, therefore, just be our God. Rather, it is our task to see what this cosmic God is doing in the universe and is doing in the world around us, and to try to become part of that. The last part of Jeremiah's words when he speaks about the word of God being a flame, it reminds us that the word of God doesn't come to just affirm us, it comes to purify us. It comes to change us. And if you play with fire, you get burned. Jesus speaks to his disciples and he says, there is change coming. And how I wish it was already done. 
I come to bring conflict. I come to bring division, not peace. And then in words that must be hard to hear in a society that almost idolizes the family unit and speaks much of family values while everyone has their own thought of what those values might be and what a family might be. He says, I've come to tear up the family. I've come to pit daughter against mother, son against father, in-laws against in-laws. And not only that, but the number that Luke uses, he, he, he envisions groups of five, which he does on purpose because five is such an unstable number. You can't split it in half. It's not like, like you're going to come to some kind of negotiated settlement. Well, three of you will do this, three of you, three of you will do that, and we'll just agree to disagree. Rather, the family will be torn asunder and it will change. The disciples will be torn asunder and they will change. The world will be torn asunder and it will change for the simple reason that we are headed towards something new. That God who is afar off is the God who redeems all creation. Who is creating a world not where wealth is confined to just a few, but where resources are used for the good of all people. Creating a world in which not one nation has ascendancy over another, but all nations work toward peace and convert their weapons into farming implements. Working toward a world in which justice is the way things work, not oppression, not inequity. Working toward a world that is not here yet, but that we get glimpses of. Anytime we allow the word to work on us, we allow ourselves to hear it and we allow that flame to purify us, when we move just a little closer to that vision, to that kingdom, we begin to act differently. We begin to speak differently. We begin to have different priorities and we begin to look like the kingdom of God. So why would anyone want to change? Why would anyone want to be transformed? Why would anyone want to be burned by God's word? Because we've seen the vision. And we know that's where we want to be. We know that's the world we want to come into being. And so we willingly allow ourselves to be changed. To let the word of God work in us. To not simply share our dreams back and forth of what we want, but to listen to the actual word of God and that single vision that once was held out in front of Abram, now is held out before us. And in our second reading, there's that wonderful sweep as he talks about all these various people who saw that vision 
And in longing for it, in faith, kept marching forward toward it. And now we are called to have that same faith. We are not there yet, but we are on the road. Everything does not yet shine with glory, but it is being transformed. The Word continues to speak as it did at the beginning of time. And it is no less creative now than it was then. We are being transformed. And the kingdom of God is steadily coming nearer. Amen.